Hello, and welcome to the August 19th, 2019 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast on a very hot Monday here in Mr. Joe's neighborhood. Of course, it's always great to have everybody with me, and it's always wonderful to be out there with you as well. And I want to start by thanking many of you who have reached out to me over the course of the last week or so. Um, a lot of a lot of short emails of people asking if I'm okay, where I'm at, um, if I plan on producing any more episodes, if I'm taking off for the summer. <laughs> um, it's It's been a whirlwind, guys. It really has. Um, and I have to say, and I made mention of this last time around, that it really has been work that has really prevented me from recording anything over the last few weeks or, you know, limited podcasts over the course of the last month or so. Uh, the good news is that, once again, my responsibilities to some extent have changed uh, to a more desirable workload, uh, something that I enjoy much more in terms of my industry. And to be honest, if I, if I just come out straight and say it, um, it, it involves myself being more active and more actively involved with the training of staff and administrators and working hands-on with students and uh, providing presentations and seminars and uh, it's, it's, it's really what I was born to do and what I've done over the course of the last I'd say 20 years or so um, now that's not to say over the last year I have not been doing that also but um, as you all know I've been involved or um, overseeing a very um, delicate new business, one in which still remains part of my job responsibilities, but at least I am able to, and I don't want to say take a break, but stabilize that new business to some extent and let it just kind of hang out there and address all the other issues that have been going on within the organization, which has to do with um, multiple behaviors such as aggression and self-injury and um, and, you know, just staff members not really knowing exactly how to handle these situations. So, uh, very enjoyable. One thing that is not enjoyable so much is I will be traveling as of um, August 25th. I'll be away from August 25th till August 29th. But I will tell you this, I will be alone in a very, very far away state from Mr. Joe's neighborhood, and I will be alone each and every evening. So my plan is out of the five evenings at least to get two or three podcasts uh, re recorded and produced. And um, just give me some time to be alone and think and, uh, of course, talk to my audience, something that it's, is, is definitely missing lately. And many, many people have asked me if I am still doing this, not necessarily just via email uh, in terms of my audience, but close personal friends who have recognized my state of disarray over the last month or so 
Mr. Joe, you're still podcasting, you know. Mr. Joe, he's still talking to the world. Because these are the things that I need. And uh, it's amazing that lately people have started to recognize there is a tremendous difference when Mr. Joe podcasts and when he does not. And I think you're all aware of that. In terms of my overall state of mind right now, again, work has transformed into something a little bit more enjoyable or my speed, so to speak. But, I mean, I will tell you this. Based on that new position, my overall state of mind has definitely been better. But something that has been quite problematic, I'd say, and probably since the last time that we talked. Now, keep in mind, none of these things are really having a huge effect on me personally or within my brain or resulting in any kind of a um, act of confusion or aggression or sadness or mania or whatever it might be, but hallucinations have played a major role with Mr. Joe over the last month or so, or at least since the last time that we podcasted, and I don't know why. I have no idea why, and I say they're not problematic because they are not affecting me in a way where they're having an um, impact on my life, but what they are doing and for those of you who have had hallucinations in the past, and not necessarily the ones where I have my buddy John walking next to me um, one day, and then the next day he's gone, uh, that, that stuff I'm not referring to. Um, I'm talking about, you know, these little flashes of, you know, whether they're animals or lights or people. Really, and I have to tell you, I've been seeing a lot of different people, a lot of different people, but just glimpses, fast flashes, and why I say they're not problematic, again, is because they're not affecting my life, but in an instant, believe it or not, these things can hurt you in the sense where so many times I have caught myself taking a peek or doing a double take, uh, you know, just to see if that item or person or thing or whatever you want to call it is still there and there are times because I do that I lose track of where I am uh, what I'm in the, in the middle of doing and it's very dangerous especially when you're driving and thank goodness they've been far and few in between but I'll give you a brief example I was mowing the lawn uh, just yesterday and I mean a pretty intense hallucination came in terms of oh god how do I even describe this some gentleman with a with a um god how do you oh, you remember those people that would have the snakes in their hat I don't even know what you call them but I just kept seeing somebody in like an indian seated position um you know, with that strange hat on, and it just kept appearing, like, right out of the left corner of my eye, and normally it wouldn't make a difference, but as I'm mowing the lawn, I kept peeking, and at one point I, I peeked and, you know, obviously didn't see anything at that moment, but when I turned around, I had just found myself going directly into a huge branch that normally I would not have headed for, but because I took my eyes off my path for the second, I ended up cutting my uh, entire head on a uh, branch. Listen, it's not the biggest deal in the world, okay? And, you know, I've certainly been hurt a hell of a lot more than that, but it's been 
interesting, to say the least. I'm not sure why it's happening. I would assume that stress has played a major role in the hallucination process, but something that I believe has been more problematic, and I'm going to use the words annoying, um, time-consuming, frustrating. Those are probably the three words that come to mind because I feel like when I am doing self-talk, and I don't want to say that it's voices in my head, because I believe over the last week or so, these voices have been my own, uh, and I say they're time-consuming because I, I, I can't shut up in my brain. It's like no matter how much I want to move on, I can't shut up in my brain, and Essentially, everything that I've been doing over the course of the last week, when it's considered to be a, I guess you could say, a relaxing downtime activity, such as taking a shower, you would think that my mind can shut off and just enjoy the, uh, you know, the effects of a hot shower or, you know, putting on a nice little show. None of it's working because what's happening is I have constant irritating thoughts and words that are just just rolling around in my mind and what it's also resulted in which is why I think I'm more concerned than anything um, is although they're my thoughts and they're my words and they're me speaking and me annoying myself um, I think the uh, biggest issue is that associated with this self-talk in my mind, I have uh, pretty intense feelings of what we call depersonalization disorder. And that's, for the most part, where you're disconnected from your body and your mind, and you can almost watch yourself in action. Uh, many, many years ago, I used to hover uh, above myself, almost floating literally floating above myself and I would watch myself as if I was in a movie and I have to tell you these feelings have been somewhat similar in the sense when when the self-talk happens it's in my mind but I could actually remove myself from my mind and the self-talk becomes an outer body experience in which I am speaking to myself from not in my mind but I guess floating above my mind, if that makes any sense. Probably not. It's been concerning, and it's something that I have to talk to my doctor about. Uh, it, again, it has not necessarily impacted my way of life, but it's really starting to get to me, and I have to figure out what, what things are happening in my brain, and whether or not these are stress-related or am I just due for a medication increase. But, um, you know, not the end of the world, and I figured I'd report on that, in addition to some good news. I had some actually very interesting good news and notes for my audience to take in, and that has something to do with my mother. And we've talked on num a number of occasions in terms of where she is at in her life, and obviously we all know that I just lost my dad recently, and she is living without him, and she is trying to get along. And this is a woman with borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder and, most importantly, a full-fledged alcoholic who has been self-medicating for anywhere between the time of 15 and 20 years. Nevertheless, she decided that she was going to stop drinking cold turkey on her own. 
And of course, when she was about a week or so in, she started making all kinds of demands in terms of having people forgive her for her horrible actions as to when she was drunk, um, asking for favors, making promises, telling everybody that she'll never drink again. And listen, myself and all of you included who have abused alcohol and substances in, a, in the past, how many times have we said, never again, whether it's us hugging the bowl Okay, laying on a cold bathroom floor, feeling like we're going to drop dead, puking every, you know, minute to three minutes and, you know, talking to God or whoever we believe in up above saying, please get me out of this one. And if you get me out of this one, I'll never drink again. We've been there, done that. So, you know, when my mother certainly says that, it's not something that I take with any ounce of seriousness. But I will tell you this. I saw my mother yesterday. Uh, we had a little get-together for Mr. Joe's birthday, because my birthday happens to be in the month of August. Um, and it was not yesterday. It's coming up. It's in the next week or so. But nevertheless, um, we celebrated at my sister's house. And, of course, my two older children were not there, uh, heavily involved in their friends, um, which... Listen, that's a whole nother podcast, a whole nother story. I tried to be as subtle, but as, I mean, indicative as possible in terms of what I wanted my children to do. And I, I said, listen, guys, I just don't want you to get upset. We're probably going to celebrate my birthday. And I wanted to hear, oh, good God, you know, like, uh, we forgot. We'll be there. And, oh, wow, we really wanted to see you, <laughs> but we, we're not. So anyway, um, so, you know, it was myself and my wife and my two younger children and my sister, my niece, my nephew, and my mother. And my mother has been about a month clean from alcohol. And I have to tell you, upon walking in, I couldn't believe my eyes. I really couldn't. And my wife will, will vouch for this and back me up also because she said the same thing. My mother actually looked different she probably looked like she gained about 10 years on her life so i mean you know my mother's a very beautiful woman she really is unfortunately she has stopped taking care of herself uh anywhere from her dress code so to speak to her hygiene qualities such as her teeth i mean she more or less let them rot away and did nothing about it although she's currently in the midst of spending $16,000 in repairing her mouth, and you know what? Good for her. I said it was a waste in the beginning because I said, well, what good is this if she's going to continue to smoke and drink and just destroy them all over again? Now, the smoking hasn't ended, but the drinking has, and I expected much more anxiety and much more depression, and I have to tell you, not only does she look different, she acts different, she behaves different. You know, she still has her little sly comments, but believe it or not, she also catches them and corrects herself, or at least, you know, this is what we recognized yesterday. So it was a very good day in terms of seeing my mother's confidence start to soar a little bit and, um, you know, some really amazing improvements, in, in, in essence, in terms of what she's doing and where she's at and she appears like she wants to be more independent she's definitely got a pretty good head on her shoulders and it you know it's amazing because as mentally ill as she can be man you take away that alcoholism and she still is a different person mentally ill people are not so horrible to deal with 
when we're not on drugs. And my mother was an absolute pleasure. Now, the one thing that she complained about, which I will associate to post-acute withdrawal syndrome, is, you know, that ongoing anxiety, this feeling of nervousness. And I experienced that for a very long time when I was coming off Suboxone. And I know exactly what she's talking about. It's just this feeling like no matter what you do, how you go about it, you're nervous. No matter what you're thinking about, whatever you think you're going to do or whatever you have to do, everything just makes you nervous. And um, while I want to attribute that to the pause, I could not help myself but to delve into it just a little bit more uh, after inquiring about exactly what my mom's new regimen of medication is. And I do know this, they upped her Paxil. Uh, they put her on Seroquel, which she refuses to take. And to be honest with you, I can't blame you or blame her. Um, it, it was used not as an antipsychotic, more for her to go to sleep at night. And like so many of us that take Seroquel, she can't wake up in the morning. Um, and she can't move, literally cannot move the next day. And I know that's an issue with many people. So for her, it's something that she just can't continue doing. But she did increase her antidepressants. I did make mention to her about a mood stabilizer. I think it's very important that my mother gets on some kind of a mood stabilizer. And she said she's going to speak to the doctor about that. But again, I'm not a doctor. so. Um, but one of the things she reported on in terms of taking, which I've known that she's been on for quite some time, um, and I was on it for a very long time. And when I say very long time, long enough to recognize some very interesting things that took place, at least in my mind and my body. And, you know, let's face it, me and my mother are very similar. <laughs> it's, it's really what it comes down to. It's probably why we don't get along so well. Um, you know, we're both uh, mentally ill. I think myself, believe it or not, even more so than her. I just think her alcoholism made her out to be more of a monster. But one of the medications she's been taking for a long time is something called trazodone. And I do not think we've ever spent any time at all on the medication known as trazodone and I'm bringing it up because not only because my mother reported taking it but because I took it for a long time or at least like I said a period of about six months and in my experience it allowed me to determine something that most places will will I guess you could say will say the complete opposite. They will, you know, you go on Google, go in a book, read about some side effects in this medication, and of course you're going to see the common ones, you know, diarrhea and, you know, headache and this and that, all the ones that, you know, associated with most of them, but they're all just pretty typical, nothing chemical, nothing really related to an attitude or a mood change. Obviously, you know, if you get more depressed, that, that's... That's on all the labels when it comes to these psych psychiatric medications. But other than that, it claims to be an extremely safe drug. And from what I can read, it is. Now, what is it considered? It's actually an antidepressant medication, or I guess you could also say it's a sleep-inducing medication. That's why it was given to my mother. It was to help her sleep. That is why it was given to me also, to help me sleep in very large milligrams and dosages. It gets... You know, it, it takes on more of that antidepressant characteristic. So it is con considered to be um, a characteristic, uh, an, an antidepressant. 
And like I said, though, it helps people with their sleep. It's supposed to treat the insomnia like my mother has. I had the insomnia. It's supposed to treat anxiety disorder, unipolar depression. Uh, and primarily it's treated, uh, used to treat major depression. But again, if it's not treating the major depression, there is oftentimes it will be prescribed for sleep issues. And my mother has happened to be on this for a very long time. And one thing that everybody out there needs to understand about trazodone, as safe as it claims to be, this is a medication that affects all each and every single transmitter in your brain, not just the dopamine, but the serotonin, um, and, uh, you know, it, it really has, it has a huge impact from what I recall in terms of my research when it came to serotonin and trazodone, a huge, huge impact, and it basically prevents the uptake of the serotonin by the brain nerves which allows more of that serotonin to be available for the particular person who's on it. Um, and again, that's from a antidepressive standpoint. It, I know this, that at least when I was on it, or when I was told to go on it, I specifically my, remember my doctor saying that, you know, this is going to improve your mood and it'll, it'll bring up your energy level and uh, may even make your appetite better and definitely enhance your overall feeling about life in general. And, and essentially, like I said, it restores the balance of the serotonin in the brain. And I know this off-label in terms of some of the things that it will treat, and these are not approved by the FDA, um, and I don't really recall, <laughs> but I do know alcohol withdrawal happens to be one of them. And uh, my, my mother has been on it for quite some time, so it was not prescribed to her for the al alcohol withdrawal, but I do know that off-label it has been um, given to people for that. I know schizophrenia off-label, OCD off-label, even um, God, what is it? fibromyalgia, um, and even eating disorders such as bulimia, if I remember correctly. Um, but again, not, not FDA approved, but essentially this is a class in its own. Now, even though it's an antidepressant, it, it, it is in a class of its own. I refer to it as what we call a serotonin modulator. So it's really not like any of the other antidepressant. It doesn't affect the brain's ability to think according to the manufacturer. But, of course, like every other medication, they say there is some slight risk in terms of taking high dosages where one might experience some hallucinations. So here's the overall result. And again, this is all personal. This is all based on my individualized experience. And in no way, shape, or form do I want anybody taking this information and saying, well, this is what happened with Mr. Joe, and this is exactly what's going to happen to me. I even felt bad relaying this information to my mother because I didn't want to give her false hope and I didn't want to get her more confused because a lot of times, you know, we're scared not only to try medications, new medications, and change our dosages, but a lot of times we're scared to come off them also. And whether it's because of the withdrawal symptoms or we just feel like we might end up making ourselves worse, it's, it's very common for us to not want to come off medication. But I will say this. I went through hell 
in terms of the wrong medications, and I've reported on that, uh, God only knows how many times we've talked about the four years in which I was on eight or nine different psychiatric meds, and instead of changing, they just kept adding, adding new meds to new meds, and, you know, milligram after milligram, and increase after increase, I mean, it was insanity, but one thing I remember is there was a time in my life, two particular times, as a matter of fact, the very first time that I was ever hospitalized, I was given trazodone within the hospital, in the mental psychiatric ward. And I do know that upon taking the trazodone, I immediately had erectile dysfunction. Immediately. That was, it was completely caused by that. Um, in addition to that, I took trazodone one other time shortly after my hospital stay because I had stopped it during my hospital stay based on the erectile dysfunction. Um, and some of you may say, well, how the heck did he know that he had erectile dysfunction in a hospital? Well, let me tell you something. There was a time where Mr. Joe was just a maniac, a manic, lunatic wackadoo. And, you know, Listen, man, you're in a hospital, and you're messed up. You know, you're just, especially when you've never been on medications before, and we're going back, man, God only knows, over 20 years ago, over 10 years ago, I'm sorry. Um, you know, when you're on medication for the first time, and you're starting to realize that things might be affected, you'll take a chance and go ahead and try, try to experiment. And when you realize that, and it is a... Listen, for us men, and I would imagine for women, it is a strange feeling, man, when you cannot orgasm. It really is. When you're on medication and you just, you know, either you, you can't, for lack of better terms, get it up, or even if you can get it up, when the time comes to ejaculate or have an orgasm, you just can't. So I stopped it based on my experiments in the hospital, um, and obviously not in front of anybody, um, you know, showers or <laughs> whatever. Uh, I mean, you know, a little bit of TMI here. But um, I then went back on it because my sleep was dysregulated again, and I had been on it for approximately six months. And I have to tell you, all throughout that six months, um, I, I was never settled in my own mind, in my own body. I always had this unsettled feeling, very much like my mother described, this nervous feeling all the time. And I was always on so many other medications, and because I read that trazodone was essentially like a nothing medication, I said, well, this has got nothing to do with anything. Well, I have to tell you all, and again, take it with a grain of salt and understand that we're all different. When I stopped taking my trazodone at that particular time in my life, First time, well, obviously the um, erectile dysfunction completely reversed itself. And the second time around, the sleep was so bad that I was willing to deal with the erectile dysfunction just to get some sleep. And to be honest, the sleep wasn't getting all that much better. It would knock me out the trazodone, but I wouldn't stay asleep long enough. So that nervous feeling was always around, and again, never associated with trazodone. But when I tell you, the next day after I stopped taking the trazodone, or maybe two or three days later, I have to report that there was significant improvement in my overall mood. Uh, the nervousness immediately went away. I wasn't scared of everything anymore. 
you know, I just, again, I was nervous to do everything. I was hesitant. I was, um, you know, everything was stressful for me. But take away that trazodone, and it essentially took away a huge component of my suffering. And what my mother had described to me yesterday was very similar to the feeling that I had when I took trazodone. And let's keep in mind, everybody, I'm very super sensitive to medication. Believe it or not, something else actually caused a very similar feeling in Mr. Joe. Um, and when I stopped it, I realized that, again, nobody reported this. Very few reports, but it was messing up my entire life. Literally, mess messing up my life. The depression was unbearable. And what was it? <laughs> Melatonin. Melatonin. And believe me when I tell you, it was melatonin, okay? Because at the time, that was the only thing I was taking. Uh, it was actually a very short time after that horrific turn of events in which my ex-wife had an order of protection against me. And, um, you know, I was coming off Suboxone and I was trying anything in my power to sleep because during suboxone withdrawal if you get you know especially in the pause stage if you get one to two hours of sleep at night you're very lucky so i i just couldn't deal with that i started a new job and it was you know coming off the suboxone so anything that i could do to sleep a little bit more i would try and melatonin happened to be one of them well same situation as a trazodone something that has very little research in terms of negative effects well, man, that thing screwed me up. Just a little bit of melatonin screwed me up. So something to think about. What is the overall moral of the story? No, it's not to get off trazodone if you're on it. It's to take a look at all of your medications, especially those of you who have been on medications for a very long time, and take a close look at everything see you know what you're feeling how you're doing when was the last time you had an adjustment when was the first time you felt this way is it a medication possibly that you never in your lifetime would think that this was causing the feeling that it's causing you know based on our stupidity in terms of when we look up things on google to see the experiences of others when really none of it means a damn thing because every experience that we read on the internet in the forum is going to be different. Some of them may be exactly what you're going to experience or what you did experience, but, you know, many of them are not. And like I've said so many times, God, when we try that nonsense, we end up putting these thoughts in our heads and we could even create our own symptoms. You know, we're a bunch of wackadoos, everybody, so we have to be a little bit more careful in terms of the way that we go about things. So um, so the moral of the story, again, is not to stop taking your trazodone, but to take a good look at um, even some of the things and medications that you think would never have an impact on your mind and body. Take a good look at them and, uh, you know, see when your issues have started and if they're tied in together because... Sometimes it is the simplest thing that is affecting us and we don't even realize. It has been awesome to be back with you guys. I'm looking forward to um, a lot more episodes coming your way. And in the meantime, I'll say this. If you're doing well with a mental health disorder, I ask that you continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental health illness, 
please continue to support that person in the very best way that you know how. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness, please, I ask that you continue to fight, continue to battle, and most importantly, soldier on. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk again real soon.